Welcome back to the Effort of Everything podcast. I'm your host, Jason Kleep, and on today's episode, Gabe, MDV, and I dive into a variety of different subjects, including mouth taping. That's right. Gabe's been doing it for quite a while. MDV just started. I've never tried it. So we talk about mouth taping and the benefits of it. We talk about cold exposure, and we finish it off by talking about do gym owners and coaches get impacted by other gyms in the area offering maybe a subpar experience? Does that impact the overall fitness industry? Final topics, of course, we touch base on jiu-jitsu and Ava hit her four-year out-of-treatment mark and I talk a little bit about that. I hope you and your families are doing incredibly well. Simple ask, leave us a rating, leave us a review. Take a screenshot of any of our podcasts, hit us up on social, let us know what you're thinking about them. We have the Coffee with Kalipas. We have our regular episodes. We have a guest, just had a phenomenal episode with Matt yesterday. And then, of course, we have the team from NC Fit, Gabe and MDV. Keep checking our episodes, leave us a ring review, and keep crushing your workouts. Let's get after it. All right, we are rocking and rolling. I, you know, for the first time in a very long time, I have gone against my own rules and I have decided to drink coffee past 12 o'clock. So I don't know what's going to happen. Things might get a little bit crazy on this podcast <laughs> and I might not sleep all night because I'm drinking some espresso. I got home from the hospital. I was telling you guys, I was all fired up, you euphoric, feeling good. I was like, dude, I'm going to, I'm going to pour myself a shot of espresso for the, for the boys. So um, anyways. If I get a little too fired up, please don't uh, please don't worry about me. But anyways, MDV, you had a topic of conversation you want to discuss. Uh, let's yeah. start there, and then we'll see how it goes. And um, let's see how bad I could derail the conversation. Oh well, I got a I got a cup of handy dandy decaf in my hand here. Oh shit! I've been, I didn't uh, even know there's such a thing as decaf. Is there? Oh yeah, yeah, man, decaf. I've been on the decaf train for a little bit. I've been remember uh, that shirt, death before decaf. I think it was. Yeah, everybody, <laughs> everybody shits on decaf, but I, I love the coffee experience overall. I like the, the taste, the aroma, the feel of the cup in my hand, the look of it, all that kind of good stuff. So I'm not just after it for the caffeine, but um, reducing caffeine. I maybe we can get to that later because that's been a really eye-opening experience. That nasal breathing. Talk about mouth taping maybe later, Gabe, too. Dude, yeah. I told you. It comes full circle. I told We're, you. Mouth taping. We got to talk about mouth, mouth taping before the conversation's up. Top three things that I've done that have completely changed my life. Taping my mouth to go to bed is one of them. A hundred percent. I So I can fall asleep with the tape on my mouth. And I, I still wake up at the same intervals that I wake up at. And I don't ever feel uncomfortable with the tape on my mouth. I just am like not used to the experience of feeling like you have your mouth closed shut by adhesive at night. Well, let me ask you a question. It's because your guys' beards, does that impact? So does that, is that impact? No, you just use a certain type of tape. There's a soft medical tape. It's like a paper tape that I found that is pretty good. The adhesive's not like super sticky, but sticks enough to your, your lips and, yeah, I trim back my my mustache and my goatee a little bit to make sure that it fit. But the, the, Jay, the important piece is that yeah. like you don't you don't necessarily want to like duct tape your mouth shut. Like I can't open this if I wanted to. What it's really just supposed to do is just train your mouth to not open. Like just have something there enough so that you're like training your body to at least fall asleep breathing in through your nose. And some people 
this won't make a difference for it because it's not an issue to begin with. For me, it's been an issue my entire life. Like I used to snore a lot. I used to be a huge mouth breather. So it's just over time having something that is kind of holding your mouth closed more so than like, I can't let any air enter my mouth all night. It's not, it's not meant to be that. That's why you can get away with, like MBV said, like very light tape. And like, I don't even do like, you know, like my entire mouth. It's just like a little bit, like right in the middle, just to kind of hold your mouth closed. Dude, I can't believe if you had told me 10 years ago that people would be taping their mouth shut before they went to sleep and it would enhance their quality of life, I would tell you you're full of shit. <laughs> and, <laughs> and here we are, um, you know, years later, uh, I, let's, let's talk about it just for, for another quick minute because MD or Gabe had mentioned the mouth taping a while ago. Right. And I, it kind of went in one ear out another for me. I was like, okay, that's cool. Gabe, all good. But I don't really have that problem sleeping that much, but now MDV you're on the mouth taping train. No, I'm trying it. So I'm, I'm more so on the, on the nasal breathing train. Um, and I, I'm a, I'm a strong nasal breather as it is, but what I've noticed that my deviated septum has either gotten worse or because of seasonal allergies, one nostril is completely closed. So I was finding myself during jujitsu, like ending some of my matches and being like, fuck, have I ever worked out before? Like what's going on? I'm like, I'm gasping for air. And I was also having some trouble, you know, sleeping. I was feeling like really congested at night. And then I was fatigued because of some of the lack of sleep or sleep interruptions. So I started going down this path of looking more into like what's going on within my nose. I saw an ENT. He told me I have a deviated septum, prescribed me a nasal steroid, and then also recommended that if the nasal steroid doesn't work, that I get the surgery to correct it because it's pretty deviated. Then I got into reading Breathe by James Nestor, which is a really phenomenal book. And I'm not saying that that's the be all and end all about everything nasal breathing, but it really did open my eyes to just the power that you have over manipulating some of the soft tissue that's in your nose by nasal breathing. And you can use nasal dilators and, you know, you can enhance it without necessarily going a surgical route or without shooting steroids up your nose, you know, constantly to shrink the tissue. So Right now, I'm like three weeks into a lot of really intentional nasal breathing, and I wear um, Intake Breathing. Uh, Intake Breathing was a company that I hit up on on IG and talked to them a little bit. They make like a, you know, nasal strips that like they look like band-aids. You put them on your nose. They make a plastic one that has little magnetic tabs that's stronger that literally like pulls your nostrils open, and when you wear it, you feel your nasal passageway open. So I've been wearing it to train, also wearing it to sleep. And there's been an improvement. I can't say there's not been an improvement. I can breathe more easily without wearing anything through the nostril that was previously clogged. And a whole host of other things that we can get into later, but it's definitely been eye-opening for me. Great book, by the way, Breathe by James Nestor. Huh. Yeah, I love that. I mean, okay. Now I'm going to have to give it a shot. I'm going to have to try. I'm going to tell Ashton, be like, hey, listen, I'm going to go ahead and try and tape my mouth. It's all good. It's Gabe and MDV said that they're, you know, that it's helped them. And uh, I'll report back. In the meantime, yesterday I was playing with the blood flow restriction cuffs. I, I'm not, I'm not on the train yet. I, I, I'm, I'm trying them out. Yesterday I did also receive uh, the cold plunge. I have maybe intentionally or unintentionally not set it up yet. Um, <laughs> Because as soon as I set it up, 
I'm obligated to use it. So I'll have to keep you guys posted on the, the, the mouth taping and, uh, and cold plunge as that comes across. Don't do them at the same time. I'm, I'm not going to do them at the same time. <laughs> I, I'm, uh, uh, no, I, I am really interested about talking about my experience with the cold plunge because I know, you know, Gabe, you've been doing it. I was just at your house. You have a cold plunge yourself. I have not been experiencing it for a long time and I've never really done it on a regular basis. So I'm, I'm looking to use, um, to get into it and I'll keep you guys posted on how that journey is. Well, one of the cool things about cold exposure too, and I think Gabe, you probably read this too, a Huberman posted, I think it was Huberman that said, Andrew Huberman, he's like a research, uh, something or other at Stanford, but he's got the Huberman lab podcast, cold exposure. There's a spectrum, right? You can have a cold plunge where you're getting submerged up to your neck in very, very cold water. You can do cold showers, and then you can also get cold exposure by just going outside and being cold. And obviously, the kind of range of benefits is best at the cold exposure submersion, not as great down the ladder to the cold outside. But still, if you don't have the experience or kind of uh, access to a cold plunge, cold shower, and then also the, the cold air. Yeah, so, it's a good uh, way to start. The, the cold shower was how I started way, way, way back. And I forget who, um, someone told me that, because I was like, what's the, like, the right amount of time that you want to be in there to like, get effects? And I remember, I, I can't remember who it was, but someone told me that they sing the Star Spangled Banner uh, in the, under the cold shower, like in their head, and that's like the time to get off. So I remember I did that for a while, which I just think is like a silly side, side note. Um, but yeah, man, cold shower, great way to get started. Um, but the cold plunge, I love it. I can't wait to hear how it goes once you get in there. Oh, it's really nice too. Like this unit is super nice. Uh, but I almost feel like I gotta get the sauna working at the same time because I'm dude, I am not looking forward to it. I'm not good with cold. I've made that really clear. So like, I'm, I'm excited to have it but I'm gonna have to definitely like slap myself in the face a few times to get myself pumped up to get in there. So I'll let you guys know how it goes. Well, it, I, Gabe, it gets easier. As does you it get, get easier, more, Gabe? I, think I don't know it if it does. does. I get more accustomed to the cold showers. I mean, the, the cold shower definitely gets easier as you do them more. It's It's gotten, like, I feel like it's gotten as easy as it's ever gonna get, honestly. Like, just cause I've done it enough where like, I know what to expect and get my breathing under control in like one breath and I'm just there, I'm relaxed. Um, but it's still like, it, it still sucks to get in. It's just, it's more the initial, like there's, it, it's so easy to like, just not do it. And it's so easy to just like, man, this is going to suck. Like I did it yesterday. Not going to do it today. Like it's more for me, at least that struggle of like, I'm going to go and I'm going to do it. But once you're in and once you get like the breathing down, um, it, it, it really isn't that bad. Like it's definitely not like, and it shouldn't be like you gritting your teeth, like, using every bit of mental fortitude to like keep yourself in there for three minutes. A lot of the benefits that come from doing this stuff is to be able to put yourself in a position where like the neurochemicals in your body, like you're going into this panic mode, but to be able to relax at the same time and get everything under control, that's really the goal. So you shouldn't get in there and be in like full panic and just try and grit it out. You should really be able to go in there, relax and one thing that it might've been Andrew Huberman who said it is you always want to get out because you decided to get out, not because you had to get out. If that makes sense. So if that mm. means a little bit less time in the beginning, try and always train yourself to like, you're in control, even to 
when you decide to get out. It's not like you staying in there until you're like, man, I couldn't do another second in here. It's like, okay, I've done it. I'm in control. I'm going to now get out of this. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have a whole like um, plan and structured like plan. I'm going to talk to the people over at Cold Plunge and, and just do it. And then I'll share that with you guys about like, hey, this is how I approached it. My gut reaction is I'm not going to take it all the way down to 39 degrees or whatever. I'm going to start off like it, you know, something not that cold and, and then wean my way into it. But I'm going to talk to them about what their advice and guidance is and then go from there. And I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll report back on this, on this show. I think it's a really good platform for us to discuss the things we're doing. You know, like EOE 40 really opened my mind about meat and fruit and, and, and nutrition. And now we're kind of diving into a few other things and just talking about it, right? The reverse hyper, the this and that. I mean, just, just sharing. I'm really excited to hear what they suggest and kind of what their protocol is. Somebody was talking about doing math problems in your head while you're in the cold plunge, right? Sounds it, terrible. No, but Jason, one of the things that I've done in the cold showers, as cold as I can get them, and they're pretty damn cold, I would be, I, I would be interested to see what the um, temperature is on the shower, is just solving jujitsu um, situations in my head. Like I'll picture myself moving through like a pass, like where do I want to put my hand? Where does my shin go? Do I want to grab the underhook as I'm doing the knee slide? Like all those things, I just do them in my head as I'm standing there in the shower. And not only is it interesting because I'm getting additional like quote unquote study time in, but it makes the time go by rather quickly. Well, it's also a good practical application. So the reason that they say to like, you know, if you can get to the point where you can like do math in your head or whatever. And the reason why I actually started like doing Wordle puzzles in there when I'm in there is because a practical application of it is supposed to be that, you know, and this is something that I think we can all relate to, you know, na nowadays when we're like really flustered and put into this position where we might be triggered or want to kind of react emotionally, the cold plunge kind of like simulates that. And to be able to think logically and level-headed in that scenario is a very practical application of what you're trying to get out of that. So the example you had MDV, I think is perfect because, you know, if you're rolling with someone, obviously, you know, there's a fight or flight response there. There's a lot of the same, you know, I'm sure that you're trying to be relaxed in a situation where a lot of people wouldn't be relaxed. So it's a really good practical application for you to be thinking about those things in your head because that's probably one, what you want to do when someone else is trying to submit you. Um, but that's the thinking behind trying to get to the point where you're not just like, holy shit, I'm cold, focusing on your breathing, but being able to be relaxed enough that you can also like think about things logically um, is a big part of what you can get out of this stuff. And I'm going to, I'm going to test this out with the kids on like a micro basis, very micro. So for anybody listening, who's going to be like thinking I'm abusing my kids. No, I'm very micro because I am really curious. Like sometimes I'll see it with Caden or with David, they'll get flustered and then they'll make reactions that don't make sense. Um, like I was in Austin and Caden like, like started crossing the street. Like he just, he, he just got flustered and, and just made a bad decision. And so I'm wondering if some cold exposure can help them get a little freaked out and learn how to calm down. I don't know. Maybe I'll try like 30 seconds. We'll see how it goes. Um, I'm sure there's someone out there with more knowledge than I do about this. So let me know. Uh, one of the things I wanted to bring up though, I thought was interesting is, you know, that thing Wordle that you're into. Uh, I saw on the news that Google search for the word of the day on Wordle increased by like 10,000%. In particular, on the East Coast, they were saying, 
and the what the what the announcer was saying is that all that is is people trying to cheat because you're going to find out the word of the day anyways so all people want to do is set the quickest time or whatever for themselves so they'll google it and then go do it and i thought that was interesting because why would you want to cheat on a free game that's just trying to enhance you anyways but that's not necessarily true oh is uh, it i don't know anything about wordle so no because sometimes i'll just like especially on the days that i try and solve it in the cold plunge I'm not really interested in like continue, like some days I'm just stumped and I'm not really interested in like continuing it to like spend the rest of my day solving it. Like once I get out, I'm like, all right, well, I didn't get it today. And I'll just Google it to see like what the answer was. At least that's for me. And because it doesn't give you what the answer is until you like actually come up with like six guesses that like some, it takes me long enough to figure out guesses, even if they're going to be wrong. So I'd rather just Google it and see what the word was and move on with my day. That's a fair point. I, I mean, I, I don't do it, so I don't know anything about it. But yeah, all right, good, thanks. <laughs> all but right. I think we should pivot. Yeah, let's pivot. Wordle. I think, I think we should pivot. MBV. I know there's uh, you put up one of your your post-it posts and got yeah. quite a reaction. I think it's worth talking about it here. Yeah, it didn't get uh, it didn't get a crazy reaction, but it was definitely something that I've seen a few people out there talking about this idea that bad gyms and bad coaches and we'll, we'll keep the conversation limited to functional training and crossfit gyms because that's really what they're talking about they're talking about bad coaches and crossfit affiliates or functional training gyms and bad functional training or crossfit gyms the idea that those gyms do not impact other gyms that other gyms that are around who are doing the same type of fitness that those gyms are kind of devoid of any influence of what's going on at the quote unquote bad gyms. And, you know, I, I, Jason, you were mentioning before we started the podcast here, like if you're a coach out there or if you're a gym owner out there and you're not reaching your potential, I don't think you can blame the fact that you're not reaching your potential on other people or other gyms or things that are going on at another gym or whatever. But to say that it doesn't have any influence, I think is so is so narrow-minded about how people react to one, certain situations in life in general, two, how people react to things that are confusingly similar where they might not know the difference, and then three, how somebody reacts to a brand. And I just think that if you think back over the past three years, if you just think back over the past three years, there's so many fucking examples of how this group mentality behind single or multiple bad actors in a large pot of things turned a huge segment of people off to the entire population of that thing. You can even look at this, and I'm, I don't want to make any sort of political comments about the, 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 the Russian-Ukrainian war right now, but you have people who are making, uh, you know, boycotting Russian stores in the United States, like Russian immigrants here who are working. And that's how people think sometimes. It's not right. I'm not saying it's right. It's not fair. It's not the way that I think it should be. But let's get down to brass tacks. People sometimes make these kind of knee-jerk reactions after having an experience or 
somebody tells them about something or they're misinformed or they don't do the research themselves and it impacts them and it impacts people around them because they go and tell them. So I guess the bottom line here is that I do think that bad coaches and bad gyms do have an influence on the greater community of CrossFit and functional training gyms. 100%. I think that there's a, a brand issue that exists there. And one of the best examples of that is that, and this is also kind of a another layer of the discussion, is that you could go up to 10 people on the street and you could ask them what their opinion is about CrossFit slash functional training. And I bet you would be kind of disappointed about what their answers are. Maybe, whether or not that's because of brand perception issues or because of bad experiences, I just think that to say that it doesn't impact is is very, very narrow-minded. Yeah, I, th I, I think it's, it's, it's silly. Like, I can't believe that that's really what the argument is. What I, what I can kind of see, and you mentioned it, and I completely agree, is, is I do think that people need to take ownership in, like, where's my coaching? Where's my ownership? Like, where's my business? Like, that's what I have control over. And that's what I should be focused on instead of like being so worried that there's another crappy gym in town. And for some reason, that's why I can't get ahead. I, I agree with. And I think we need more of that, more of like people kind of like looking in the mirror instead of like finding outside things to blame. But if the argument is really the fact that like that has no impact, I mean, it's almost like one of those things, like how do you make the argument against that? Because it just, it just seems so silly. Like, how could you actually believe that someone going in and having a bad experience at a functional training gym that has CrossFit everywhere and on the website is not going to impact that person's want or desire to try a CrossFit gym in the future? Like, it just, of course it's going to. It might not for everyone. I'm sure you can think of, you know, someone that then went and tried the other CrossFit gym in town, had a great experience, and that worked out great. But you know, there's a reason that, you know, different things in the sport and in our space have turned people away in a very palpable way. Um, you know, one thing that comes to mind for me is, and it always drives me nuts when he says this, but, you know, Rogan himself on, on the podcast as many times, he like has this belief that like CrossFit gets you injured 100% and functional training gets you injured. He's brought it up in passing in many different of his shows. And that's the perfect example, I think, of, you know, you think of the audience that that guy has to think that him making a statement like that, because, and again, it all comes down to someone he knows went to a crappy gym with a crappy coach, had a bad experience, it got hurt, that got to the person that has the biggest audience. And now he has this belief and he hasn't been educated with the right coach and the right gym. And now whenever someone brings up CrossFit, he's always... Like, oh, yeah, but people get injured doing that all the time. How can you say that that now has no impact? That to me is like the, the perfect example of like, you know, how if that person that eventually got back to him had had a good experience at a good gym, we'd be singing a different tune. The Rogan example is good. Um, I think I do think that there's something to note here. And I think every business owner has to make this decision for themselves. This goes back to like a bigger picture, right? Do you want to be attached to a brand that you don't have control over or do you not? And there's definitely pros to being attached, right? Otherwise they wouldn't be doing it because they feel like they're connected to a community. It also draws people in, right? The, the people who you're, you 10 people on the street MDV who might have um, 
you know, maybe if you use the term functional training, they wouldn't really understand. But if you said CrossFit, like, oh yeah, I know that because they've heard of it. And whether they've heard of it in a good way or a bad way, at least they've heard of it. So you get some brand recognition. So there's a lot of layers to this conversation, but to think that, um, number one, every owner is in control of their own business. And if you're blaming your success or failure on factors that are, you know, outside of that, that's, that's really unfortunate, right? Because they need to take ownership in their success or their lack thereof. And it doesn't have to do with the gym down the street. That being said, you know, if someone goes in and has a poor experience, it's not helping the overall ecosystem, which is why for a lot of years, you know, JP and I through box to business, or even all the things that we do through the collective, our goal is to raise the bar. We want to, we want to rise the tides so that all gym owners can professionalize, can enhance, can grow. Because I'm a big believer, huge believer that the bigger, the, the better our businesses can be, the more people we can impact, the greater the pot size is. And as that size grows, not only are more people getting impacted, but also there's going to be better business for all of us. Um, but I think as an industry as a whole, we need to continue to professionalize and streamline the offering, which is one of the challenges of a license model compared to a franchise. You go to one Starbucks, it's pretty similar to the other. Now, is Starbucks going to be innovative and, and create the wheel? Probably not. That's why other things like Black Rifle and others are coming up on them. But they're also going to be very consistent. And so you know you're going to get. But look at jujitsu, MBV. I mean, jujitsu is not a licensed model because that's just a, a generic term now, similar to you know yoga or Pilates, if I'm not mistaken. And so where CrossFit's interesting is that a lot of people can't differentiate the fact that it isn't a franchise. It's a license. And you can run it however you want. And so in jujitsu, I think there's more of this separation. It's just like a general jujitsu. So if you go to one, you could say, oh, well, okay, that was one experience. Maybe you don't think they're all the same. It surely doesn't help the jiu-jitsu industry, though, if they have a bad experience. That's for sure. But I do think in jiu-jitsu, maybe a little bit more than CrossFit, people recognize it's just a, a, a style of training and not a franchise or a brand. Whereas in CrossFit, I don't know if they really realize that it's a license model and not a franchise. I don't. I could be wrong there. But in either case, it definitely impacts you, right? If you go to one jiu-jitsu gym, your, your impression of jiu-jitsu as a whole might go down. Just like if I go to a yoga studio, right? It's the same thing. Yeah, and, and I agree. I, I don't think this, this is something that will make your gym unsuccessful or successful. I think that ultimately the experience that you provide and the coaching that you provide and how you treat your members and how you choose to run your business and all those types of things, the, thing, the variables that are within your control are ultimately the more powerful variables. But this variable that's outside of your control, that you do have other people who are potentially using the same name of the same style of training that you're doing and doing it really, really poorly. And if they're in the same town, you cannot tell me that the pot is not sullied by the perception of what that bad gym is doing. It is. It 100% is. That's how human nature works in these situations. And people don't understand the affiliate model. This is something that I think. And I, nobody from CrossFit is probably listening to this podcast, but God, if somebody from CrossFit was listening to this podcast, you have to educate the general public a little bit more about this, that, and not in a way that you go, oh, there's some bad gyms out there and there's some great gyms out there, but just say every community is different. Every affiliate is different. If you don't like the vibe at one, maybe go try another one because people don't understand the name that you put on your business, CrossFit X, CrossFit Y people are going to think that that's the same product. They don't understand this light, this kind of wrinkle in the way that you're incorporated 
that there's this difference that you can run your business the way that you want to, and this person's going to run it a completely different way. General public doesn't think like that. That's why when, if you re, if you have a gym that doesn't have a brand name associated with it, like you were saying in jujitsu, you have all these kinds of different schools and stuff like that. It's easier for the general public to make that difference in perception of, oh, this is 10th planet jujitsu over here. Got it. That's Henzo Gracie over there. Got it. I guess those are going to be pretty different because they're different schools, right? But they both do jujitsu. That's something I think that that's easier for people to understand. But when you put two gyms that have the same name, they have the same name next to one another, the general person doesn't know that there's a difference between these two things. Yeah, but at, at that point, then the, the the business owner has to make a decision and say, you know, does it benefit me to have that on the wall where I do expose myself to having another gym in the same area who maybe isn't doing as great of a job, but I also get this brand attachment to a, you know, worldwide well-known brand. And because if you try and start your own, you know, uh, Jason's Fitness, for lack of a better term, you know, it, I'm, I'm personally very grateful and I'll use this as an example. I'm very grateful that I was able to utilize the CrossFit mark back in 2008, because what it allowed me to do is it allowed me to attract an audience that was interested in CrossFit. And we used that mark and we paid our affiliation fees for the next decade plus. And I'm, I'm very grateful for that. But I recognized over time that, it, that once you, once your business grows to a specific area, you then start asking yourself, hey, is that brand that I'm attached to, that I'm not in control of, benefiting or hurting our business? Or should we just kind of roll roll on our own and do our thing, still still love what they're doing, but do our own thing so we're not necessarily you know, um, guilty by association or it, it attached to something that we have no control over, right, wrong, or indifferent? And I think every gym owner has to have that conversation. And I think it's just, I think Cross would have that conversation. For example, with Reebok. When it was attached to Reebok, right? It wasn't attached, but it was kind of attached. If Reebok did something, it could be good or bad on CrossFit. If CrossFit did something, it could be good or bad on Reebok. It goes back and forth. You know better than anybody, MDV, being in, involved with that relationship. I think there's also there's also like levels to it to a degree, right? Like I think of because I, you know, making that argument that there's no negative impact, I think really disregards like what you were saying mdv how the consumer behaves with these things like i know that some people just think that the gym isn't for them like not even crossfit or functional fitness specifically they'll just have gone to a health club had a bad experience gotten hurt and now they just the gym isn't for them like i run i sign up for 5k i do my own thing but i don't want to ever be in any sort of like you know, brick and mortar setting for fitness. Like that's one level. Then I think some people might have a bad experience with just group fitness in general. Like maybe they took a spin class and that just like, I never want to do stuff that's like in a group led by an instructor. I think even that can have an impact on a functional fitness micro gym to an extent because people have made the decision that like, I never want to take a group class model, period. And then I think the last level, and I'm sure there are more levels, but just making the point that all this, this entire ecosystem is so interconnected and people absolutely make decisions for the future based on their past experiences. That's just, that's how we operate as consumers. We've all done it with things that we order, clothes brands that we order. Like if I get something and it gets ruined, there's a pair of boots that I bought of a particular brand for the ranch and they like didn't last me a month and I am never going to use that brand again. 
You know, it's it just, again, these examples might not be all the best analogies one for one, but we don't have time to constantly be revisiting things that we already had an experience with. We have an experience, we make our decision, and then we move on. And to ignore that that's happening in our space, I, I still just don't get it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the the argument for the people who will stand up and say um, it doesn't matter that you know you it what they do out there doesn't matter what you focus on you it comes back to the old glassmanism about the cream will rise to the top right well yes that's true but then if you also have a population in which you have this really variable experience in which they're out of 10 gyms okay maybe two are excellent maybe two are terrible and then maybe the rest of the six in the middle are somewhere between good and bad that now you have to consider is going to influence how the majority of people who go into those gyms think about that pot as a whole like i said before i i think it's a fundamental flaw in the the way that the affiliates are set up in how the public perceives this brand that they don't understand that Gyms number one through 10 are all individually owned and operated and they're all different. And it doesn't matter what experience that you have in one that you can have a completely different experience in another. We all understand that. We wouldn't be turned off. If we go into that gym over here and we have a bad experience, guess what? I'm going to go to the next one right down the road because I love this style of training. I love being in that community environment. But I don't think a lot of people have that education. They don't understand that. Yeah, I mean, and just to kind of, make sure we highlight this. I do think that CrossFit HQ is recognizing that and they're taking steps to enhance the affiliate by doing like the affiliate playbook and different things, right? Now, should they have done that 10 years ago? I think I think it would have been well received then, but they are taking steps in that direction because I think they are recognizing that consistency does matter, at least within a, within a reason. And I think, Gabe, I think you bring up a really good point, man. If someone goes to a traditional gym, a boutique gym, a spin experience. Like, uh, you know, I don't know if the average consumer can recognize the difference. So I've taken many yoga classes. I've taken many spin classes, but I kind of bucket them all. And like, eh, like, I don't know, like for me, it's kind of our business. So I've taken a lot of them, but after my first one, if I hadn't liked it and I didn't care to go try different models, I would have said, Hey, that's not for me. And so for some of us, we only have one shot at getting people engaged on functional fitness. And I think that um, what we need to do as an industry, this is I, I mean, this is something I take to heart, is we as an industry, we need to raise the bar of our coaches and owners to professionalize. And we need to do that across all boutique fitness because if one person comes in and has a poor experience and goes and tells three other friends that functional fitness isn't for them, that just spirals into this group of people that are, again, like I said earlier, not getting great results. I mean, maybe they're getting results elsewhere, but they're, they're not in, we're not helping them enhance their life. And number two, it's not helping build the pot of people doing functional fitness. And ultimately, ultimately we want more people doing that. So I think the, you know, my takeaway from this conversation definitely is first off, a, a, a bad gym can impact a, a gym. I, I believe that in addition though, we, as, as an industry need to come together and continue to raise the bar for everybody, because it's only going to be better off for all of us five, 10 years from now. Imagine if 10 years ago, people had been more steadfast in the in, in in creating some level of consistency. Where would we be today? I think we might be step, steps ahead, you know? 
Another thing worth highlighting that I think we mentioned, but before um, we hit record, um, is that like people also like are just more, um, I guess, more willing to share negative experiences. And I think that that's important, right? Like what you said is if someone has a great experience, they might share that with three of their friends. But man, that experience has to be like insane. I mean, we know this from the commercial gyms. Like we struggle to get every single member that has a good experience to refer all of their friends. Like it's, it's a very high barrier of like positive experience that you need for someone to go out there and be like, Hey Jay, you got to come with me to the gym. Like this place is amazing. Whereas on the other side of things, if it's like, just like a little, like, eh, wasn't the best experience. Like, and then Jay's like, Hey, I'm going to go try this gym out. You'd be like, ah, I don't know. Or like negative reviews. Like there's a reason that, like everyone writes a negative review, but you're not going to go write like, a, oh, this was a nice gym. It was a good coach, super clean. But if you had like a terrible experience, like you're maybe not you guys or maybe not me. I never write reviews, but a lot of people are signing up on Yelp and like, you know, typing away at the bad experience. I think that's another important thing to keep in mind. Yeah, a hundred percent. Negative reactions or negative news are much more visceral. They inspire a more kind of, high energy response from people. They want to go write the negative review. They want to tell everybody about this bad experience that they had. And if you don't believe me, go pull up any, any major news network right now and look at all of the titles of the headline. Every single one is going to be negative until you get about three quarters of the way down the page and then you find a happy one. That's if it bleeds, it leads. That's like, that's news 101. That's what they do to sell clicks and sell newspapers. They put the most outrageous negative thing out there possible for us to all gobble it up and click on it. And it's the same thing with reactions to products or experiences like, and stuff like that. It's why people go write these fucking seven page Yelp reviews because the asparagus was cold at their steak house or whatever. Anyway, get me all fired up. Hey man, don't, don't hate cold asparagus. <laughs> um, well, guys, I mean, I had a I had a solid week last week. I went out to Gabe's Ranch. For those of you who aren't checking out Woodside Ranch, make sure you guys check that out. Uh, Woodside Ranch is filled with many animals um, and uh, some barking dogs and a fire pit that burned my son. But it was a growing moment, and uh, I enjoyed my experience. Learned how to milk a cow. And um, this week, actually, we got we got like I was telling you guys earlier, we just went to Ava's four year checkup, and this weekend we're having a, a celebratory party so all is good on on this front and what have you guys been up to lately tell us about the four-year checkup a little bit what what are they checking when she goes in for her uh checkups now i mean you know uh, you, you draw blood and um you know at that point that's what you can really tell so they look for like uh, i actually got it right here in front of me they look at like the you know platelet count hemoglobin white blood count they look at something called absolute uh neutrophil count which is basically uh, it, it's a, it's an indicator of your body's ability to be able to fight off disease. And so they're looking at blood work and the blood work tells you everything you need to know. But, um, what's interesting about it now is here we are four years later. I already know what the blood work is going to be before it even comes out, which is really interesting because I could tell by, uh, the demeanor. So you would know back in the day, if it was gonna be bad, if she's tired, if she doesn't look right, something's up, you know, it's going to be really bad. But if she's feeling good, vibrant, lively, you you think the blood work's going to follow. And so today, yeah, four-year checkup, just basic checkup, talked about a bunch of stuff, and then um, got the blood blood work. 
And um, yeah, man, we got a couple left, and then uh, and then the five year party. That's where we that's where we pop the champagne. That's where they that's where that's where you tip the scale from um, a higher risk of getting leukemia to then after five years, you're statistically at the same likelihood as any one of us three. You know what I mean? Uh, at five year statistically, um, yeah, it's all good, man. That's what so we did today. F- the five year mark is complete remission. Yeah. Well, so the five year for five year mark is, com- is, is cured. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's, that, that's the key. So the five year mark is cured. And then after that, you just pay attention to uh, long-term side effects, which for her type of chemotherapy and what she went through, typically they, they occur more cognitive. And so you would already be seeing the cognitive challenges if they were, um, some of the other side effects, um, you know, it's just, we're keeping an eye on them, but at this point, yeah, cured in a year from today. Does she remember the experience? Like, does she remember enough of it where she understands what she was going through? Yeah, yeah. I mean, because she, well, because think about it, she was diagnosed at four. She was treated for the next three years. Um, we ran out of the hospital probably until she was like, let's just say six or seven. So, yeah, I mean, old, old enough to know for sure. Um, maybe not to fully understand the gravity of some of the certain situations. A lot of the really heavy, heavy stuff happened when she was younger. So like the first year, there was a lot of heavy stuff that occurred. And I think she was, she was a little bit younger and she, you know, she didn't really rec- remember all of that, but yeah. And now that we go back to the hospital so much, I mean, she's pretty familiar with it. Mm-hmm. Dude, that's incredible, man. Um, and it was like one of the really, one of the really cool things about having you come visit last week was like really spending, I, I've obviously met Ava and Caden um, plenty of times, but like spending some time with them, um, really just tough, happy, well-mannered kids. I mean, they were such a pleasure to be around. Um, it's funny because like, because they're such a pleasure to be around, like I can say this now, but you know how sometimes like you never know with kids, you never know with like your friend's kids too. You might be, you might be in for, you know, qu- quite a day. So it was, they were great, man. It was such a pleasure having you guys. It's a bummer that, you know, Caden unfortunately tripped into the fire, but <laughs> um, it was really fun. Yeah, man. No, thanks. I, yeah, we, they're, they're great. I mean, I, I was with them They're Yeah. I got no complaints. Like I was telling you guys earlier, every time I come home from the hospital, just a lot of good, um, positive perspective, you know, and, and for those, those, uh, listening who haven't experienced that, and I hope you never do, um, you know, when you, when you experience the hospital, even if you just go in for whatever, you just see a lot of sick people. And so when you leave it, it definitely kind of remind you to be grateful, you know, cause there's probably always somebody going through it a little bit tougher, you know, and, uh, it's a good, a good perspective for me today. Right. Jason, let me ask you a jujitsu question, bro. I'm ready. I'm ready for you're ready. Mason for... is Mason is very good at jujitsu. <laughs> Jason's talking about Mason Fowler, somebody who he's been training with very recently. He's very good at jujitsu. He's a black belt at jujitsu. Um, is, is this a lifelong thing for you, do you think? Is this something that you want to continue now until your elder years where you see some of these older gentlemen kind of, you know, expressing their their skill and their uh, their practice on the mat? Yeah, for sure. Um, by the way, I just spilled my, my brand new espresso I was telling you guys about all over my computer. But 100%. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I see myself doing this. Um, for as long as I can. I, I mean, I definitely see myself getting a black belt. You know, I think in the next year, I would imagine I would probably hopefully get my brown and I see myself doing this, you know, 
blacking on. Um, it's just something I really find a lot of value in. I, I, I love our classes. I go into NC fit every single day, took class this morning. I love it. Um, but I love jujitsu just as much. Like it's, it's, it's not better or worse. It's just completely different. It taps into a totally different mindset of mine. It, it, it unleashes a little bit of, um, I don't want to call it, um, it allows me to be a little bit competitive and uh, allows me to be a little bit more aggressive, um, while concurrently like diving into a framework. I don't know how to describe it effectively, but yes, it's definitely something I want to do for the rest of my life. hundred percent. Um, what about you, MDV? Well, I think so. You know, I'm, I'm at a different stage in my journey than Jason. Um, but I, I do think that this is something where it's kind of endlessly fulfilling. I, I think that there's so many different ways that you can play the game. And there's so many different things to learn. So many different things to experience. An endless list of changing opponents, old, young, big, small male, female, every, like, that's one of the things that I really am appreciating more about the roles that I have after class. So typically in a jujitsu class, I don't know if Jason, this is your experience, but typically in jujitsu, you have an hour long class experience. And then maybe like the last 10 minutes or so you do some, some live sparring, some short rounds, you know, one or two minute, uh, maybe you're drilling something you worked on in the day, but usually after the class ends, there's like a 30 minute to one hour kind of open mat. And the expectation is that most people will stay for some of the sparring that happens during open mat. So if you go to a jujitsu class, you have to anticipate that you're probably going to be there for nine, 90 minutes, unless you can cut out early every now and again for about an hour. The time constraint is a little bit more taxing than, than a, a functional training class. Um, but I'm appreciating much more just kind of throttling up and down the roles based on you know, who I'm rolling with, the experience that they want to have, the experience that I want to have. And there's so much more enjoyment um, during that too. It's more fun and more playful as opposed to feeling like, you know, the ADCC finals every time that you're going to go spar one of your classmates. Is anybody else going to talk? Is it solo? Am I back <laughs> <the> right <intro> now? <laughs> I, I, I was dude, just saying, well, dude, I can't, I can't, my, my, my spilled coffee just went all over my mouse and I can't click it. Um, but dude, Jason, no, I, yeah, Jason might cut out of the podcast altogether because he's got coffee going into his computer. Dude, Oh my God. It's totally worth it. It's all good. But yes, I got coffee all over my setup, but, but you know, the thing about jujitsu, it is definitely a time commitment compared to like a, a functional fitness class or CrossFit class or whatever. Like it's not in and out in an hour as much as you know, some of the other things are, um, but there's so much to unpack. Like I know we talk about jujitsu all the time on this show and you would think we like own jujitsu gyms, whatever. No, we're just fans. Just like we're talking about nasal breathing and ice cold. Like, dude, we just share the things that we like. And I, I think that if someone hasn't tried uh, jujitsu, they should take the advice we were talking about earlier. Go try one, see how it goes, try another, see how it goes and go experience multiple because they're not all the same. And there's a lot of differences between gi and no gi and intros and, and find an instructor that really, that really cares. But yes, I'm gonna be doing it for a long time. One of the things that we should get into, maybe not in this podcast, but an, another podcast down the road is there are people in the jujitsu community that shit on strength and conditioning that they say, you don't need to do any of it. That the only thing that you need to do is jujitsu. And 
you know, I, I certainly respect their opinions. They're people who are very, very accomplished. Um, I'm also sure that there's probably people who are knuckleheads who are saying that too, but um, it's just a very interesting take on, you know, the skills or the preparedness that you would want to have when you're fighting somebody. I, I, I kind of think that why wouldn't you want to have the extra advantage of being more conditioned or stronger than your opponent in, in, of course, having as much skill and as much experience, of course, as well. Yeah, well, we have, um, you know, I've been training with the, the Calatera team and we're going to be having them come in and do some more strength condition with us. I think after they've been doing some stuff with us for a couple of months, which they've already been, I'd love to have them on the show, talk about their experience with strength conditioning and how that's impacted their game because they're coming from high level jujitsu, then incorporating strength conditioning. What does that do versus me, who's the opposite, right? Strength conditioning background, and then coming over to jiu-jitsu. So I, I look forward to bringing them on and talking about what their experience has been for sure. Is this like an old school, new school thing, basically? Yeah. A little bit. I think I think so, kind of. And I also think there's probably like, um, like a very like um, doctrine, like, hey, even if you're newer to jiu-jitsu and you go to a certain school that says, yeah, hey, you don't need any of that stuff. All you need is this. Um, but I would need to dig deeper in in more of it. I'd love the the opinion of the guys at Kyotera. I'd love to hear what they say. For sure. For sure. Dude, I'll get them on. We'll start talking to them. I've been rolling with them and uh, getting after it. I think, um, yeah, anyways, I'm fired up for this week, dude. I, today's Thursday. Well, we're releasing, today's Tuesday. We're releasing on Thursday. I think the conversation about the gyms. If you're a gym owner out there, just take responsibility for your location. If you haven't tried out, I mean, this is a great plug, actually. Great moment to plug it. Uh, our goal and our vision at NC fit is to rise the tides for the fitness industry. And a way we do that is through our NC fit collective. And that is session plans and programming to create consistency across our locations. That was how it started. Actually, this whole conversation bundles up into the reason why we started the collective was that within our own locations, we had consistency and a similar experience and didn't have these highs and lows. So if you haven't checked out the NC fit collective, definitely, definitely, definitely give it a shot. There's a, you know, you can message Gabe and he'll tell you all about it and um, hit us up on the collective for sure. Any closing remarks, gentlemen? By the way, I got my mouse and my computer working again. No closing remarks other than the fact that I've been listening to a lot of iration and revolution and bumping uglies and all the bands that remind me of Hawaii. So got to get there soon, Jason. Bro, revolution, man. I was listening to that the other day with Caden. That kind of music's pretty good with the kids because it's not like overly, you know, abrasive or swearing and stuff. Well, some of the stuff they talk about is is pretty sexual and there's a lot of illicit drug use. But yeah, like like very, pepper. Yeah. <laughs> it's very like flowy and fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was I was listening to Pepper with uh Caden and like something comes up, he's talking about exactly that. I'm like, oh shit. You know, anyways, it's fine. No Gabe? final, no final thoughts here, man. Just uh, pumped to get back on the the swing of things with the podcast here. Um, always good conversations, and uh, dude, open invite anytime you want to come back. Oh, either of you want to come back now that both of you have visited? Let's do it. All right, everybody, we'll keep getting after it. Keep putting in the effort. Get after it with our workouts on our NC Fit app. Gym owners, make sure to check out the collective and uh, hit us up on social. Let us know what you want us to talk about. Have a great day, everybody. Oh, 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 oh